0: Hello, welcome to today's episode, this week's episode of Juicing the Big Screen, your movies review and discussion podcast. I am one of your critics, Joshua Tracy.
1: And here talking sports, it's Corwin Heller.
0: That's right, we're combining the two shows. This is where Juicing the Numbers meets Juicing the Big Screen, and I talk movie reviews while Corwin rebuts with sports takes, um, a podcast no one wants to listen to, and you are going to be subject to. Uh, no, Can hey. you imagine? be terrible. Oh,
1: look at that kick. Uh, Corman,
0: what do you think about Christopher Nolan's directing here? I think Carlos Carrasco's trade value is insane. Uh.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. It'd be an awful podcast. (laughs) No, I very Um, much disagree. I think that would be great. (laughs) I think the idea of us having two simultaneous podcasts that do not intersect but are still happening at the same time is the Perfect way to talk about these movies. I, honestly, I was about to say. Honestly, it feels like that would have been something taken
0: straight out of *Tenant*. But we will get there. Um, as the two movies we are talking about this week is the 2020 film *Tenant* and the 1960 um, foreign film *Eyes Without a Face*. Uh, I feel like we're probably both going to be in agreement here, Corwin. The *Tenant* should be second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so in that case, we will start with Eyes Without a Face, uh, which was released in 1960 under the original title Les Yeux Sans Visage. Uh, uh, it, is a <laughs> uh, it was directed by Georges Franjou. Uh, I'm going to say these names as obnoxiously French as I can. Uh, it's based on the novel by Jean Redon, and that's a hilarious name. Um, it was adapted as a screenplay by Pierre Boileau, Thomas yeah, uh, Jean Redon. Might as well have been. Um, Claude Sauté, and dialogue by Pierre Gascard. Uh, <laughs> I'm having a blast. Uh, it had, a, we don't have an estimated budget. I don't have an estimated budget here. It has a cumulative worldwide gross of $60,000. Um, as we talked about before, foreign language films, especially those that come out in Europe as opposed to Asia, tend to have really small um, uh, box office numbers because the market's are so much smaller. So I have no way of judging the $60,000 because my my understanding of scale is still really bad, but
1: that's what that is. Um, $60,000 in 1960 could buy you all of Manhattan.
0: Yeah, just ask the Kushners. Um. <laughs> oh, off, it's kind of topical. Off the
1: top rope.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then you don't have to maintain that shit at all. Um, its tagline is very long, and oh god, it's bad. Um, beautiful women were the victims of his fiendish facials.
1: Oh no, that's not yes. the tagline, is it?
0: With with fiendish facials in all caps,
1: fiendish facials. Title of your sex tape. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Th- that is that is the description of a movie about sexual harassment. Um, Jesus Christ! Wow. Uh, it oh has my. yeah. Moving on. Um, oh it has no. Oh, sorry,
1: I'm still doing the football. No, okay. Uh, it so, for those no... of you that don't know, we are recording this during the national championship game, uh, which I am watching because it's the national championship game, and Josh isn't because sports bad.
0: No, I'm not watching it because I don't have any. I don't. I don't degrade college football. I just have no investment in college football.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't sound as good of a reason for me. So. I'm it is less it.
0: tasty, but I am also yeah. part of the hosting duo of a sports podcast, so I'm definitely not a sports bad person. But anyway, um, so anyway, I was out of face. No major awards nominations, no wins. Um, it's tag or it is about a surgeon um causes the act an accident which leaves his daughter disfigured, and he goes to extremes to give her a new face. Um, this is my film choice for the week, so I will talk about it. Um, I'll
1: get begin, us started. You know what? I'll, you go ahead. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just um, have a question, but I figured I'd let you go first. No,
0: I'm curious now. Tell me your question.
1: Spoilers. The woman, Corinne, this movie is 60 years old. End, shut up. The woman that the mother <laughs> or the the daughter kills at the end is that her mother? Or is that just his assistant in crime? I took that to be his, like, nurse slash assistant in crime. Okay. All right. I just, I could not figure it out, and I didn't Google it. So, you know, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Continue I'm sure. on. All right. Sorry for interrupting. All good, I'm buddy. Um I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Got one weird Corwin on my hands today. Um, so I've never seen this movie before. I watched it because it's supposed to be like a, a, a classic of the genre. And to be honest, I didn't really even know anything about it. I didn't know plot, didn't know anything. Um, and I was actually, I shouldn't have been surprised it was a horror movie, but I was kind of like, oh, this is dark. <laughs> um, and I ended up really, really enjoying it. Um the, the the dark concepts is something that I think is still weird to see in older movies because my picture of old movies that I grew up with and the old movies that I think you most get seen referenced to in other films or pop culture pieces are very, like, happy and cheerful pictures of those periods of time. And the ones that aren't are usually focused on a little bit more of, like, reality. Like, you know, if you go from... um the the joy of um like how green was my valley to the darkness of grapes of wrath it's like well grapes of wrath is about the great depression like that's something we learn about in history it's like i can put context behind all this so to have a movie that like feels this old looks this old is this old and is about like a doctor who's killing women stealing their faces and then dumping their bodies in a mortuary is like crazy (laughs) um and i i think this film has a lot of issues not i'm not going to put it that way i think there's things about there's a lot of things about the film that would change but i still am drawn to the level of thought and choice that was put behind these decisions and um i guess eventually uh plot changes that i really enjoyed about this film and i'm i'm looking forward to talking about a little bit i'm not going to sit here and tell you this is uh um revolutionizing how i view horror or how i think about you know anything to do with this genre french cinema any of that shit um but i i going in with zero prior knowledge or expectations of it i came away really enjoying this uh what did you think corwin
1: I also really didn't I didn't even know what this movie was until I saw that it was on HBO. I saw that it was a thriller horror listed genre um and that's all I knew. Boy, this was this was weird to just kind of jump into. Um don't know why I kind of have the the preconceived notion that older films are just less mind fucky creepy than newer films even though we have you know stuff like psycho and the birds and whatever um but it just it kind of threw me off that being said there is definitely a lot that i do like with this i really like the style i really like the performances to an extent um i will say you did say that that you had things that you would change what is one of them? Because I have one that's just jumping out at me that I just, it drove me crazy watching it. And I just want to hear what your thoughts would be on the matter. Well, I I think
0: the one thing that most of my things would loop back to is that, and this is one of the very few times I'll ever say this, this movie needed to be longer. Um, hmm. There's a lot that I think gets lost in how fast this film moves. It is 90 minutes on the fucking dot. And this film realistically could have been a full half hour longer. Just living you letting you spend more time with the crazy shit that was happening and to have more room to sit in the consequences of what immediately was the aftermath, the creepiness of everything. Like when when you know they first descend the stairs in the house to go into the basement area that has a surgery room immediately followed by a dog kennel. I'm like there should have been a whole like 5 minute long scene where where like they just slowly unveil and like you slowly pan around this room to just really sink in how fucked up and disgusting that is. Like that's fucking crazy town. Um but that that's that's my that was that was my thing. I'm curious what was, what was your thing?
1: Um I will say, I do very much agree with that statement. The idea that this is a horror film that doesn't really let you build up that tension because of how quickly they introduce something and then immediately change the subject is its very noticeable, to say the least. Um, for me, I would have added a second song because they only have the one. That's like the only soundtrack... The only score that this film has is just that one super European song that they just change up a little bit throughout, and that's it.
0: Oh, you and know what? Just... My sorry, I was going to say my, my I was gonna, I totally forgot. You're totally right. My first note is this movie is interesting, but the
1: but the um but the music is laughable. It's laughable, and it's the only added audio. Like there's no score. It's just that song that they'll play sometime. Like, there's no sound effects. There's no eerie music to build tension. It's just kind of there. And that's kind of the biggest thing for me. Like, it was creepy. It wasn't scary. And it wasn't scary because they just don't ever build up that tension other than small visuals and i mean we've talked about this with other horror films we've talked about this with the horror genre as a whole but music and audio just add so much to horror it adds just so much to the experience that when it's so you know noticeably absent it's it's really hard to get into it oh my god I'm going to assume that was another football happening. Um, uh, yeah, I, I've never seen this kind of performance, but I guess we'll save it for Wednesday.
0: For anyone wondering what the Wednesday comment is, that's when we record juicing the numbers, which drops Thursdays and Mondays. Find it where you find podcasts, motherfuckers. Um, yeah, I, I think I think one of the core points to both what you said and what I said um, is that this film is fascinating, but for us looking back on it, you know, 60 years later, um, feels weird without modern filmmaking concepts. And mm-hmm. it would be so cool to see this with them. Because yeah, the score thing was a big thing. The fact that this movie like a low budget version of this movie could still be a half an hour longer. Like I, I'm I'm would I wouldn't be surprised if you told me it was 90 minutes because the Um, you know, Bureau of Arts in France that that sponsored the making of this film because a lot of other countries outside the US have some level of state sponsorship for their filmmaking um, industries. Um, Mandated, it could only be 90 minutes because they were only going to give over that much film because film is very expensive. Some shit like that. Um, And also effects. Because the other big thing that I have is the scene in which they show the removal of that one girl's face. And I thought they did a really good job at the beginning of that scene with all of the different um, little clampy guys. But the second they actually took her face off and you only you only see what's underneath for like a split second. But it's just so clearly, you know, red dye just rubbed all over a woman's face um, because that was the best they could do. And it's like I was looking at it like I understand what happened here but you shouldn't have shown this like this does does not look good.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where you notice the special effects because it's hard not to because they are fairly cheesy. At the same time, it's 1960 and while I do tend to flip-flop between holding films in their own time and judging it off of that and also holding them up to the standards of modern film because that's how I can relate to them stuff like that where it's it's really just there's no better way to do it and you look and see a, a, a believable image to some extent and you just kind of have to accept it yeah
0: I, I think that the, you know, the the show not tell aspect is what makes um, guys like Hitchcock kind of the the premier authors of this genre in this era because there is always that fine line and balance between what you show and what you don't. Point in case Psycho, which you brought up earlier, um, shows glimpses here and there of the shower murder scene in the beginning, um but also leaves out large chunks of it, probably because for one, not seeing certain parts of it made it more suspenseful, and if you saw a fake knife pretending to go into a woman's chest, it probably would not look so good, even with really good fake knives that they would have had at that time. So, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: again, just filmmaking stuff. (laughs) But to get into, like, a little bit of the motivation of this film, actually, not, not even that first. I want one other really other kind of, like, minor thing, since we're picking out some of the details at the beginning. Um, i loved the little breakdown they did in the middle of the movie where um i forget what the doctor's name
1: is the our kind of villain of the film what's his fucking it name? it starts with a g and ends with a lot of s's and e's and r's and just there's a Geneser. whole lot
0: here dr
1: Thank g you. dr Doc, g dr g i like it
0: um when D- dr g is like giving a little presentation i don't even remember to whom he was giving it or what was happening with it? I I don't I, I kind of forget. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, I think you're right. I think it was a class. Um, where, where they they show the different stages of, of of necrosis of the graft, um, over time after they replace the face to show that this is a continuing process, which serves to show why he keeps having to kill all these women and take keep having to take faces. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I just thought to be a really, I don't know. It 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 it. Obviously, this is all bullshit. You know, there's so much more that would have to happen in order to replace someone's face than just slapping that shit on like a big, expensive band-aid and moving on with your day. Um but it added a little level of grounding it in some type of concept and making it feel a little bit more real by having it approached in that way that I actually found that to be a really interesting because they, put the time in to do that um and decently effective scene
1: yeah no i i I didn't think there the i just thought it could have see it's tough because it's like it feels like an old-timey you know newsreel like uh what's the term for it um like psa and not so much of a lecture but at the same time it's like all right it wasn't old timey at the time it was just then i don't know it it's a scene that like i had more thoughts on and have since forgotten so i'll just leave it as is fair enough whatever yeah it's whatever
0: so i'm actually amazed that we've gone almost 20 minutes without even really talking about like the plot of this movie so, l- l- oh, please save that for the next one. Let's go through <laughs> it really quick just to make a couple of uh points about the the varying motivations here. Um, so the basic idea of this film, I'm going to leave out a lot of details. We've spent a lot of time talking about other things, um, so far when it comes to this film. Um, but the basic idea of this movie is that this doctor who runs a hospital, Doctor G, um, was in a car accident and uh. Severely disfigured his daughter's face. and so, torn by guilt and with a deep knowledge of medicine and with access to a continuous stream of women who, I guess no one cares if they go missing, um keeps kidnapping people and um stealing their faces to give to his daughter to he then you know sews onto their face her face, and then, you know, killing them or oh. Actually, I guess the one girl died by suicide. I'm not even sure she meant to die. Doesn't matter. Um, the daughter kind of is, it languishes in her room, not really wanting this life and almost being forced into having to be this experiment plaything, Dr. Frankenstein type situation. Um, At some she also point...
1: She out in the kennel, you know?
0: She does also hang out in the kennel with the puppers. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually, the police get tipped off to what might be something sketchy happening at the hospital in regards to all these women who go missing. They come snooping around. Um, the The daughter, Louise, I think her name is. Um, or no, it's uh, Edna. Sorry, I'm look, trying to look at the names to get the right one. Ed, No, Christiane. Jesus Christ. Louise is the nurse. All right, I got everything. All right. Christiane. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) Um, Eventually, who is the daughter, eventually kind of gets tired. She doesn't want, she discovers a girl who is about to have the surgery to get her face removed to be put on Christiane's face, frees her, kills one of her captors, um, and then unleashes uh, many dogs to kill her father um, to, I guess, end this whole ordeal. Um, And there's a lot of varying motivations and emotional understandings for what's happening in this, which is part of why I would have liked to see this be a longer film, because each character is actually doing a decent amount. Or at least the two main characters, the Christiane character and the Dr. G character, there's a lot happening with their respective situations. Because I think what often happens in horror films, and it's not necessarily to the horror film's detriment, it's just a reality, is that it's like, hey, there's the thing. That thing is bad. We got to stop it before it gets worse. In The Exorcist, which we did on this show, it's like, hey, that girl's got a demon in her. We got to get it out of her before it gets worse. And even though that's a really great film, was nominated for a bunch of Oscars, that's how a lot of horror movies go. And this actually isn't necessarily that. Um, it, 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 this is a guy who's really truly wrought by guilt for in his eyes like fucking up his daughter's entire life by ruining her face which I'm sure in the 60s was even a bigger deal than it is today um, because <laughs> women weren't people in the 60s they couldn't have cars or bank accounts or any of those frilly things those are man's world um, and you have So he's trying to do right by her and by his own conscience in a very malicious and evil way. And Christiane, who who has basically been nothing but a patient since her car accident and is an unwitting accomplice in addition to being a prisoner. And there's a lot that that can be said in regards to those two roles. Um, I don't know. What? I'm trying to think about how to pose this to you as a question, but how how did you absorb what was happening in the the, the dynamics
1: of this film? Can you say that again? The dynamics of this. What's the? In regards to
0: like you know the the Doctor G's motivations and Christiane's motivations. The the nurse I think is just there to be a facilitator. I don't think she's really got anything creative going on. But you know the. The motivations yeah. of these of these
1: people. I will say, just on the nurses part, it's weird that such a, a prominent and important character be given such little information and kind of depth. Like I think of like no country for old men with um Oh, what's the what's the Javier Bardem. Yeah. You don't have any backstory or really information other than just, you know, He's going to get you. But he has so much depth built throughout the movie, despite, you know, honestly being a more prime character, leads to a more effective character. With her, it's just kind of like, okay, henchman number one, you know, like this is something that's essentially comedied in Austin Powers, you know, like just whatever. Regardless, um, I think the Doctor's drive to quote-unquote fix his daughter repair his daughter you know give her the life that he in a way took from her is very relatable but at the same time the just casual apathy for literally everyone else who happened to be born a female is just kind of crazy that's not kind of crazy. It is very crazy. And if you do something like that, you're crazy. Listeners, listen up. If if you catch yourself doing something like this, you're the bad one. Um, it's kind of tough to go back and then look at the daughter's morals, and, or not the morals, but her driving factor and kind of realize what was the spark that changed her. Like I get watching people be <sighs> cut open and inevitably dying because of your father trying to save you can be traumatizing. then again, when you basically live your entire life, life locked away in this this tower, this you know this cell, I don't get how you really can develop everything required for it. I don't know. I'm just trying to come up with some reasonings here. And I think that's why I would love to spend more time with the Christian. Like this, the
0: Christian character is definitely the most evident point in this film that it was a book. And we've made this point on the show several times before as well,
1: which is there is
0: clearly so much happening in that woman's head that never makes it on screen.
1: I can't believe I never even thought like, of that, you know, this being a book.
0: Yeah. And honestly, that didn't click to me until I was reading the writing credits at the, at the top of the show, um, and saw that it was a novel first. And that's when that clicked for me. Cause I was like, Oh,
1: that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and it's not like this was nominated for best adapted screenplay. I mean, no offense. <laughs> None taken. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like the
0: scene where she's walking around the scene where she's literally doing anything because she's so silent during the film, which I think is really effective for the creepiness factor. Her mask is terrifying. And seeing her be so silent in it for large chunks of the film is adds to that eeriness. It's a very expressionless mask. So adding the expressionless of being a rather quiet person makes it all the more terrifying. Um, but, getting some more of her motivation for everything, I think would have been really interesting um, just because it is a fascinating position that she's in. And then, like you said, she turns on every, on it so fast on the whole life that she has there in the house, which is obviously terrible. um, But she'd been going along with it for so long um, that you, it it would be to everyone's benefit just to get a little bit more of the why in, in, in
1: that situation. It honestly wouldn't have been so bad if throughout, you know, her just walking around and and doing whatever and, and, and having those internal monologues that we just can't hear. If there was, you know, some some eerie music or some audio cues basically signifying, hey, she's thinking about some shit right now or just anything. I don't know the sound thing really threw me for a loop
0: it It's fair. um were you a little bit disturbed by the makeup for Christiane's fucked up face that they showed for like a hot second?
1: Did it get I you? I knew it I knew it was coming, and I knew it was gonna be creepy but not scary, and so it really didn't do much for me. Like I get it, it's creepy it's it's good at the time, but at this you know it wasn't making me you know have to change my drawers. I
0: wasn't expecting it, so it creeped me out a little bit uh, touche. Yeah. Yuck. um, I don't think I have anything else to say about this, do you? Not really that's all right we covered we covered a lot more than I thought we were going to get to, and we did uh we did some good damage on this, I think. Um, it's a short film, like we said, at the top, um, coming in at literally exactly 90 minutes. So there's only, I think, so much that we're going to be able to get out of it when it, from the sound of it, our main complaint is that there wasn't more to say in some aspects of it. But again, this film, clearly a book and would, I think, benefit a lot from a. This is a film I would love to see remade. Um, mm. Like, This fucking year. I mean, seriously, I I think the bones and the plot of this um, and what we saw on screen, even the limited capacity that we did is really good. So I'm just going to segue this directly into my little rating and review recap here. Um, It's weird to knock points off a film for not being long enough, but I really genuinely think that the term of this film is not long enough to fully. I think it hinders the plot. It It is that brief. Uh, I I, I think it is damaging to the storytelling of of its it's short length, Um, which, again, is really not a complaint Corwin nor I usually have on this show, Um, Mm -hmm. which I think in a lot of ways is a positive negative, but it's still a negative. Uh, Obviously, coming at it from the point of view of 2021, um, the music is very Parisian, um, which makes sense since this was... France in the 60s um but it's not as whimsical a film as the the music really reminded me of um uh, uh, the what was it the third the third man with Orson Welles uh, but that movie is way more playful in a lot of ways even though it is also dark it's like got a little chase kind of feel to it so it's easy to kind of write off the funky european sounding music but in this it felt disjointed and then coupling it with the sheer silence of the rest of the film a little bit odd um that being said i still really enjoy this and i think there's a lot of meat on the bone here um and a lot of good to get into especially if you have hbo max and you're looking for a thing to watch that you don't want to spend a lot of time watching this is this is there for you um so i think i'm gonna settle this in like neatly at like uh, i'm trying to sp- I'm, i'll say i'll say three and a half I think is very fair
1: I think at the end of the day it's an enjoyable movie at at no point would I ever consider this to be I don't want to say not worth your time because it is a very small investment um but that being said there really just isn't a whole lot there to keep me invested Um, it's a, a a pretty good story. It doesn't really do enough. Like we've talked about, man, it's just tough to, to really look back and, and find the highlights when they were by all means fairly, not all that common. Um, so I'm going to give this a three. Um, I think I think we're both approaching
0: it the same way know, here. Yeah, I agree. I think I think I think neither of us want to be harsh, but neither of us are going to go so high on it either. And I, I think agree. that's what that's what the three and three and a half ratings are like there for.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I I am right. definitely on board with that. All right, cool, cool, cool. Then let's uh ah, right, let's move it over
0: to the big guns. Let's talk about 2020's Tenet, um which was written and directed by Christopher Nolan starring John David Washington, Robert Pattinson and Elizabeth Debicki. I'm guessing at how that's pronounced. Um it had an estimated budget of 205 million dollars. And a cumulative worldwide gross of three hundred
1: and sixty three million dollars, so it is certainly a success. It still made three hundred million dollars. Yeah. Without having a major US release. Yeah, I well, I think it had Asian releases. Right, but at the end of the day, wow, that's not a whole lot for that i don't know why in the world i said that's not a whole lot that's an insane amount for not having a major us release in you know it is it's biggest market but if i had to guess
0: i would say this is going to be the highest grossing film of the year especially with no um marvel films and the fact that this was hotly anticipated
1: mhm um and that there's not a whole lot else to to really See, <laughs> well, yeah, that um, you
0: know, Christopher Nolan fought really hard for this to get some degree of in person release because it was, you know, it's Christopher Nolan, he makes his films for the theater. Um, like literally, this is this was released in IMAX and you know, was meant to have a really nice sound system with it and all that type of stuff. Um, plus this was available everywhere on streaming services you know i'm not sure how everyone who watched this watched it uh but you can get this on amazon you can rent it on amazon for like 20 bucks and a few other services i think apple tv plus you can get it for 20 bucks so 20 bucks is still a, is high for an in for an at home film viewing but it's still for two people better than what you'd be spending at the theater um so i could see a lot of people having done it that way and you know 20 bucks at a time is slow but if enough households get it i I I can, I can work my way up to the three hundred sixty-three million or
1: whatever I said. And you know Uh, what? There's even less expensive ways to go about getting these kinds of movies.
0: Cost nothing but time and a VPN. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, This film. Oh, I I missed a do. Do we have a tagline? Yes, the tagline is "Time runs out."
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, it's not one of the worst we've had. It's not one of the best.
0: It's, it's fine. It it is very middle of the road here. Um, it has no major awards nominations nor wins yet. But as a reminder, this is one of our 2021 Oscars picks. Um, we are anticipating this film to get nominated in the best editing category. Um which after watching this film I would like to say yep makes sense yeah. <laughs> makes a whole mess of sense <laughs> um I'm on it board. is about yeah it is about um armed with only one word tenet and fighting for the survival of the entire world a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time uh Corwin, this
1: was your pick, so you get us started. I regret being the one to make this pick because I don't know where to start. Um, I will say I knew time would be involved in this movie. That's really the only thing I had going into it. Um, We've watched a lot of time travel movies, right? Yeah, we've, we've even watched a few on the show right like it was one was time crimes I forget if we had any others um, that being said I think principle wise like the principle of how time travel is both explained utilized and executed this has to be one of my favorites um, uh, just the whole idea of radiated energy with future technology it just it made almost no sense to start it made a fair amount of sense by the end and i will say the science behind it i'm sure knowing nolan is plausible not exactly you know well understood or whatever regardless Let's see how many times I could do that today. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really liked um, Denzel Washington's son. That I'm forgetting his name. Um, John David Washington. John David Washington. Thank you. Uh, I really love Robert Pattinson, the actress whose name neither of us can pronounce. I'm also a big fan of. In this, I just I. Th- think it was a really well done movie and obviously it being christopher nolan that's almost a given i think the reason i'm just not super blowing up the spot is this was so hyped and at the same time all of the major press that really came out of this that i've heard is of muted disappointment and I think that, you know, watching this, I kind of had the idea, or realization even, that Christopher Nolan is kind of beyond the point of reaching expectations. Like, until people keep getting sad that the movies that he's coming out with aren't the single greatest film they have ever watched when they watch it. He really just needs to kind of lose some of that luster before it really gets him. I don't know. What what I'm trying to say is I think his career from here on out is going to be a roller coaster of disappointment and actually meeting expectations of people are going to hype him up. They're going to get disappointed by movies that they don't get or don't like. Or just don't meet expectations. They're going to sour on Christopher Nolan. And then he's just going to put out a a movie with genuinely probably the same quality and same level of caliber. And people are going to love it because their expectations are normalized. And I think that's just kind of the cycle we're kind of forcing ourselves into. So 15 minute explanation for like a three second clip. Because that's how we roll here. <laughs> All right. Yes. Um.
0: Yes. So I'm. I'm sure we're going to have a very interesting time trying to talk about this. Um. So I'm going to be, I guess, kind of general at in in how I explain my initial reaction to this. Um. I will be shocked. If this doesn't win best editing, I mean, I've never seen a more obvious choice. And I haven't I understand I haven't seen, I think, any of the other potential nominees yet. Um, I genuinely don't think it matters. Um, what it took to edit this, I literally cannot fathom. Um, I have done a very rudimentary amount of video editing in my time, basic assembly of of clips. I understand it sucks. <laughs> I understand how a timeline gets messy real quick. I my my girlfriend is a is a professional video editor. I literally cannot fathom how they did this. Um the manpower, the thought, the 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 gritty, gritty detail that went into making this. I literally cannot put my fucking head around it. I didn't understand the concepts and math that went behind how they did the black hole interstellar but i can understand that there's guys that program and then they did this i literally cannot imagine how they edited this it does not make sense to me um that's just how impressive this is i understand i'm some schlub on the internet still oh my god um i thought robert pattinson keeps finding ways for me to just love him
1: um He's one of my favorite he, actors, like no I more know far. It. Like I genuinely love every character he's done that wasn't in Twilight.
0: And that's and that's exactly what I'm saying because you and I grew up with with Twilight, Robert Pattinson being on uh, the the forefront of everyone's mind when they listened to her, the name Robert Pattinson or saw the face. And man, fuck that shit because I was you know angsty teenager. Fuck Twilight. Fuck Robert Pattinson. That's fuck true. no, dude rocks. He's great in everything. And he picks such good shit to be in that gets, it gives him room to breathe. Um, I'm not the biggest John David Washington fan. I think he did a good job here. Um, right. I think he's fine overall. Um, Michael Kane being here was a treat.
1: Uh, <sighs> but I didn't I really like he this. I genuinely yeah. forgot he was in it for a minute.
0: He made he made a, a little cameo. Basically, his Brooks Brothers line was hilarious. Um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't really like this. Um, I couldn't I couldn't shake the thought that this is just a heist movie made to be as complicated as they could possibly make it, and even beyond that, how in contrast to what you said poorly, I thought they tried to explain the concepts being entertained here. Now they're like, like the scientist I I, that I, tries to I, walk. I, do want to correct, John David-
1: I don't think they did it terribly well. I didn't think it was a perfect explanation, but I could understand what they were getting at and also kind of understood. Okay. They're not going to be able to explain this time travel mechanic because it doesn't exist. I'm just going to accept it for this basic plausible understanding that they gave.
0: Right. But when the scientist in the movie says, don't try to understand it, just feel it that, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not even trying to say this to be mean. That literally is the laziest explanation of time travel I've ever heard in a movie. That is one of the actual lines from The Scientist, my friend. I mean, that's lazy as shit.
1: And I, I understand that's, that's
0: because this is a wild concept. The idea of entropy is is difficult. Um, and that, I think, is part of the problem for me of this movie, is that I think they did a great... like Filmmaking-wise, I thought this was fucking awesome. Like, And I, I'm going to have a hard time rating this officially, because I think Chris Nolan did a fucking amazing job with this. Um, I think it, and I, I I think it came together really well. I just, I kept thinking about how complicated inception was and interstellar was versus this. And I can't shake the feeling that at some point, the complexity of a story, whether it makes sense on, you know, after you write it all out and figure it all out and all that or not Doesn't matter because you're going to get bogged down in detail. And I think this film has a lot of that because they're not even like when in with Inception, it's a concept of a film that you know the science isn't even going to matter, none of it's going to matter. We're going into dreams, let's roll with it. There's no other core idea of the film, it's a heist film, but we're going into dreams. All right, cool. This is really just an out-and-out heist film that also has time travel. That is necessary for the picture, but not entirely necessary for the story in a really weird way based on how it's told. And again, I think it's a true feat. and I'm not trying to take this away from Nolan, because I think it came together exactly how he intended it, and I think that's amazing. Um, And I, I enjoyed a lot of the ride that this film took us on. But I I can't help but not appreciate how complicated this got made to be when it just didn't need to be that way.
1: I don't know. I really don't think that... First of all, the the lazy comment got to me because I I don't think that introducing someone like the protagonist to the mind crushing theories behind how radiation has caused time travel while needing to get him I forgot how that sentence started so I don't know how to finish it fuck me um explaining to him in a way that is just the most innate way to understand what's happening feeling the change feeling the phenomena when he needs to get that kind of hands-on field in order to do his job which is something that they they talk about they need to know she needs to know how to explain it to him to fit his role which is you know boots on the ground kind of he's the fist behind it regardless i don't think that's lazy i think it's an effective way to give a basic understanding and allow for the rest of the story to unfold so that you can explain it deeper it's like yes explaining how calculus works using you know oh don't worry about it it's just you know curves to someone walking into calculus for the first time that's not going to teach them calculus in any capacity, but it's going to give them the framework to, you know, how they can look at it and set their mind to it to kind of open up for more. Obviously, time travel isn't calculus, it's a hell of a lot more complicated. But when you have those objects around you to show what it's like to go backwards, when, you know, by all means, that's something he's going to have to learn how to live through and experience and still be effective in doing it in a short period of time knowing that feel and just feeling it and trusting that information will come later isn't lazy i think it's effective so i'll i'll start by saying this
0: about an hour after that scene the conversation doesn't matter And the ideas behind how this time travel works don't really matter because you're an hour into the movie and all that matters is that you understand basically what's going on and how they're doing what they're doing. Um, So I, I will agree that at some point, it just doesn't matter. What bothers me about it is that he didn't have to do it. Even if he wanted this method of going forward and backward and inversion and all that, if it would, if there's an easier way of using a non-based reality way of concocting this method of time travel, that could be summarized and explained because that's part of the fun of time travel movies too. Is getting those explanation scenes that like every every time travel movie, every single one of them has those scenes because it's it's part of the the mystery and the aura behind them, and so it is really jarring to get the scientists to be like ah don't fucking worry about it um because I think Christopher Nolan wanted to this I think he's a guy who very much so likes to base his films as strictly as he can in what we know about physics and the world which I think is super admirable and adds layers of detail to the films that we have come to appreciate so fucking much I think here it hurts I think here it hurts him because because you're right. In order for her to explain to him at a level that would make any amount of sense how entropy works, which I don't fully understand either because I'm obviously no fucking physicist and all this shit um, would take forever. And at the end of the day, you don't need it. But that's my point is that you don't need it. So why go with such a complicated method of doing it that it's better and easier and more efficient to not even bother explaining it.
1: Cause you gotta do something. Well, right. My point is um, why do this? Because it gives him the information he needs and the way he needs it, like in the form the he in the form that he needs it.
0: No, I don't mean the explanation. I mean, why to... do this method of time travel?
1: Of time travel? Yeah. Like, why Why have it be the time can go in two directions? I don't know. Why? why? Did... Go ahead. It's like explaining why the guy wanted to have his killer be a guy that cuts faces off instead of why not do hands? Hands are probably easier and, and probably more useful to have skin on. I don't know. Like, that's just the way it was. Well, it's
0: because his his daughter's face got fucked up. It was a cause-effect type of deal. Um, okay, but like saying,
1: I, why is this the plot of the movie this way? Why isn't it another way? It's like, well, because that's a different story. That's not what Christopher well, Nolan wanted to tell. No,
0: and again, my, my point is, is that it wouldn't be. My what? my point is, is that when we're dealing with a certain level of science fiction, you have a lot of latitude to kind of make it whatever the fuck you want in terms of the explanations behind what's happening and the rules in which you're operating, especially right. when it comes to time travel, which is obviously not something that we have at the moment. As I look for other Josh's, um, well, you had a lot of latitude to
1: other people or the other That's Josh.
0: True. That's true. Um, you you have a lot of range in, in, in what you can deem the universe in which you are operating and how science works in that universe. And to pick... And again, he chose to base it in an actual scientific theory, which I find admirable, but I also think was ineffective because it led to this. Whereas he could have just had the scientists be like, we, can, we found a way in which... um yeah you, you fucking um, nuclear radiation has a property that we didn't fully understand. He found a way to capture it in which you can go backwards in time, but you can only do that in reverse. instead of going strictly back in time the way you see it in the movies where you go back to a specific point, you have to actually walk that shit in reverse or whatever however it actually works. I'm kind of still fuzzy on it myself um in this film, and gone like skipped over some details, but gotten to the main point. and. I still don't really understand how any of it works in this film. I understood what was happening in the scenes and I understood how it comes together and how it's a non-linear idea of time and that non-linear idea of time leads to how a lot of these events intertwine because it's non-linear. But to watch a sci-fi movie and not have any idea what the concepts that they're operating with in the sci-fi world are, it's weird.
1: at this point I can understand that you didn't like the movie because of, or not even that you didn't like it, but you felt weird watching it because of it. I just don't agree that we should be holding that necessarily against it. Because I I think in my mind, it did a, a well enough job explaining those factors. Granted it's a movie and it's subjective and that's how movies work and that's why we have a podcast about it um but you know we're here i didn't get memento i still don't get memento i know you get memento i love memento i love Memento. it's, it's just the memento. way it falls. um
0: yeah and and again this this is why i thought this would be an interesting conversation because of how you observe this aspect of it um the other thing that I was wondering if you had any major opinions on because this is the only other big complaint I have with the movie. I think Kenneth Branagh's character is fucking ridiculous. Um I think it's I think it's a horrendous character. Um I think Kenneth Branagh plays it poorly. I don't think it's a well acted role. I think the dialogue in it is oh my god a bad And his motivations are ludicrously stupid. Um, Go on. He's planning to kill the world because he's dying? That's it? That's it? Well, That is so lazy. That's
1: not it. That's not it. They explain it at the end. What do you mean? In his whole conversation with uh, the protagonist at the end... They're over the walkie-talkie, he's on the phone, whatever. He's saying how the whole framework behind going through with this act is because the Earth is so far past saving, they have to go back and kill off the cause of the death of the Earth, which is the past generations of, of people. And in doing so, would allow the Earth to continue on for future generations. And the whole disagreement, almost, or what you would call it, is one side believes in one outcome of the grandfather paradox. The other believes in the other side of it. Right.
0: No, you're right. I I completely forgot about that entire conversation
1: because... You were seething <sighs> in anger over that one Leah Sido cameo that led to this. No, I get it. I get it. No, because was be a much bigger part of the movie. I was disappointed. I don't even know who you're talking about. The scientist lady. Who is that? Leah Sido. She played uh, the main lady chick in across from Robert Pattinson in Harry Potter, whatever episode it was
0: oh man i'm i'm i'm
1: not up to date on my potter facts um and she was in uh what's that one film um fuck like blues the warmest color or something like that she was in that She was french yeah oh man i'm bad
0: as shit with accents um so I know oh, that there was one right. other conversation on the, the, the grandfather paradox earlier on where John David Washington asks somebody something, but
1: what? Uh, nothing. I'm just laughing at myself. Keep going. Keep going. Um,
0: Man, in my eyes, that actually makes it worse. Because that's a better plot. And that didn't get told until one of the final scenes of the movie? Because I remember so many, like, you know, like, Kat had, like, all these talks about how he was gonna, you're, you're killing the world. She had a big confrontation with him on the boat where it's like, you're killing the world that your son's gonna grow up in, and, you know, I know he said, I'm doing this because uh, why should my son live in this world or he's not gonna be able to live in this world or some mm-hmm. shit like that, but, It made it so much about the destruction of the world with him. I mean, like, that was the motivation that, that kept getting conveyed to the other characters. Man, that being the plot of the movie is a significantly better plot.
1: I would really love to see this movie told from the future generation's perspective and just the same, you know, time alteration principles just on the other side of this dilemma. Because it is like a a pretty clear you know red blue you know black white one you know heads tails kind of situation. I'd love to see that other perspective in kind of a not a sequel, not a prequel, just a a a coupled film. I, I don't know the term off the top of my head for what it would be. Yeah, a, a
0: counter perspective film like Lady Vengeance yeah. versus. Um... Oh, whatever the counterpoint point film is for yeah, uh Lady or, Vengeance, I forget
1: the name of it. Uh Flags of Our Fathers and uh, Letters from yojima Jima. Yeah, exactly. Um
0: so so does that mean that the fact that Kenneth Branagh had pancreatic cancer was totally irrelevant? What do you mean? The fact that Kenneth Branagh's character had had pancreatic cancer in the film, because that kept getting brought up as, like, the reason that he's doing this is because he's dying from pancreatic cancer and he's trying to take the world out with him. So did that whole pancreatic cancer thing, like, not even matter?
1: Well, him dying was why he was, I think, willing to go through with it. I think because he was dying anyway. Okay, yeah, I'll be the one willing to kill myself in order to set this all off because it's you know I'm dying anyway I don't care if I also have to choose to kill myself in order to better the rest of society at least that's how I took it I think it's just you know he was the one that would be willing to do it okay hold on
0: how was killing himself going to set off events that would lead to to, to when, the rest of the world being
1: saved His watch was the dead man switch right that's why she had to stop him from killing him or from dying he he couldn't kill her in time or she couldn't kill him in time him dying would set that all off would set off the bomb that would set off the algorithm and so on and so forth but i no i i got that but Why would he
0: need to die to make that happen?
1: Well, he was going to die regardless. He was going to die from the pancreatic cancer. He was going to die from the algorithm going off. Him already being on a set path towards death is what, in my mind, opened him up mentally to be, you know, the one to hit the button because his life is but, not going to be greatly altered by the his inevitable death from the algorithm. Well, why would the algorithm lead to
0: an inevitable death for him or 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 is it that his death would have been inevitable because
1: either way? It's inevitable either way. It's either dying from the algorithm when the thing kills off the entire world or um from the pancreatic cancer. So Oh my God. He, in his mind, he's choosing the option that leads to, on one end, the death of his son, on the other hand, the survival of the possible survival of humanity. But he was only willing to do it on the moment
0: he died?
1: Like, what no, prevented him was... from
0: doing this when he learned he had pancreatic cancer?
1: Or, he, like he, earlier. He could still. He could still continue to live on his life and just do it later. Like, if you think about it, him setting off the algorithm in the grand scheme of things, whether it's 2020, 2010, 2030, 2050, it doesn't matter just so long as he does it and he sets it off. His whole thing was getting all of the pieces together and setting it off in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter when so he can still live out the rest of his life when it gets towards his inevitable doom with the inoperable pancreatic cancer that's when he was going to do it and that was that so he w- he was only willing to try to potentially
0: save the world after there was already after his life was already going to be done with no matter what Yes. God, that's fucking idiotic.
1: I don't think so. Oh, my God, that's so dumb. Uh, I disagree. Oh, my God, that is just so fucking dumb. Uh, Again, uh, I disagree. Oh, my God, that is awful. That's just awful! Oh my god, that is so uh, I, ridiculous. I, I, I think you need to take a step back and accept it, because it's really not nearly as bad as you're working it up to be. Corwin, oh, come on! This is th- that is wow. that not? is ridiculous. Why not? Why wouldn't that be a motivating factor? Not even motivating. Why wouldn't that allow you to accept this choice?
0: Oh, God! Because I could accept it if if he was going to try because if he, if he really believed in the environmental cause and the the bettering of the world, regardless of his That's own fate doing or, it or well, no, because he's still living as selfishly, as murderously and as evilly as he can possibly live up until he dies, at which point he's like, all right, now that I've given you guys all the science, and mind you, if the if the, the algorithm can be triggered at any point, why not trigger it at a point where there's no other possible way where we know for an absolute fact that the earth can't be saved in some way, which this is just like a rich dude. What the fuck does he know? Well let because me hear from a scientist in this film.
1: Then that's the whole thing because the future generations that are at that point created this technology and have passed it back for it to be carried out. When there is time left to save it, it just happens to be this era, this year, this, whatever, when this takes place. It doesn't matter what year it takes place. It doesn't matter who it is. It's just someone willing to do it, and that's him right. But what I'm saying is is to to get the, this altruistic bullshit out of this genuinely evil dude is just ridiculous. The outcome is altruistic, sure. He's still an antagonist, and at the end of the day, whatever hap whatever choices he does in this life, whatever he does, doesn't matter because it doesn't matter if he's killing people on the street, it doesn't matter if he's doing this or that because they're all dead anyway. That's his frame of thought. Everyone in the world at that point, 99.9%, whatever it is. Or even if it is a hundred percent, it's there. It's all gone. There's no reward or risk from any of it in their lifetimes. It's just they do this, and there's a chance that the world survives in the future. Right. And my point is, why does he care? Because he's dying, and so if the that's future, it. <laughs> If people from the future are coming back and saying, hey, this is the way life is. We didn't build Terminators. We build time travel. Well, I guess they also built time travel. We chose not to build Terminators because we want to fix it. This is why. This is what you need to do. Are you willing to do it? He's like, all right. I'm going to be dead in five, ten years anyway. I might as well do this as, you know, my last hurrah, whatever because it doesn't matter one way or the other cuz i'm going to die he doesn't need to be this perfect you know moral beacon he's the bad guy but the bad
0: guy doing what is objectively an altruistic thing for like okay. literally no okay. reason okay
1: okay did you watch um the mcu like infinity war yeah. Yeah. yep what do you think of yep. those movies um
0: they're not they're not great they're fine
1: um okay. the
0: event the avengers cast films i think are are better than than everything else um
1: but the solo films i think leave a lot to be desired there okay it's the same principle of thanos is doing this awful thing because in his mind it is the only conceivable option for the future. That's his whole motivating, you know, principles. It's the same here. No, it's
0: not. It is Because Thanos got to wield his power selfishly. That was part of the goal. He did think he was doing the right thing altruistically but his true aim was power and to have ultimate authority and agency over what ended up happening according to his will
1: that and is you think part of guy, what made him and you evil think a guy going forward and backwards in time to control outcomes is not doing that exact thing
0: well that's what i'm saying is that he seems to be doing it for what seemed to be nefarious purposes Instead, it ends up being that he's doing it
1: for a randomly altruistic purpose. So that Thanos benefits him in no way. Benefits him in no way. He's wielding time travel while he is still alive, a dying man able to go forward and to backwards what, in time. To what? To what benefit? He has that power. He has the power to go forward and backward in time while he's alive. He is dying. That is inevitable. Right. To what benefit? What do you mean to what benefit? He has power while he's alive, and the cost of doing so is ending the rest of humanity as we know it when he dies. But...
0: (sighs) There's no actual motivation for this. We're we're spinning in circles is my point here. He he is built to be nefarious and bad and painted as the bad guy and given a walking stereotype of an Eastern European accent, my god out of the 70s. Um and is a brute and a murderer but is doing it for all the right reasons? but doesn't really share any of that until later on at which point why wasn't this a concerted effort like the fact that he was also doing this as an individual guy is bizarre
1: it's almost like characters do not have to be typecast and stereotypes but they could be their own individuals you know unique to these films and can be just as complex and broken as real life people well no
0: my point is that there is no complexity to this character he is random and makes no sense
1: (sighs) i just i can't right now i i do not know why you are so irrational with the hatred of this and just can't open up to the idea that People can be complex and also irrational with their thoughts and decision making, just like in reality. It's possible, it doesn't have to be the same mold that we see in every other villain movie. It can be complex and different and a new take on things. It's a guy doing something that he thinks is good while also being the complexity of a fucking mafia leader, hitman, whatever. There's complexity and layers to it. That's why the confrontation at the end adds a layer of, oh shit, should the protagonist actually let him go through with this? Should he not? Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I don't know. There's confusion. That's kind of the whole point of it. It's adding layers to it.
0: It, it. It's all well and good for that to be presented, but not when the character that is shown to you is a walking stereotype from a James Bond film. If that's the guy they wanted to make, they did a terrible job writing the character to emphasize any of the moral ambiguity or 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 sudden changes in 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 decision making and thought processes behind the clear walking stereotype of like a get smart film i mean my god it's painful to watch i
1: don't know that I'm character that you described absolutely is no trouble picking this apart the
0: character that you describe of being a complex individual who has all of these different feelings and emotions and rationales and logics is an interesting character that's not who they gave us they gave us kenneth Branagh, doing a bad accent with terrible dialogue not explaining any of his thought processes decision making or moral ambiguities until the final like 20 minutes of the movie at which point we're 2 hours into this bitch that's what every and character And this is does. a weird change. Well, not All of not that, that comes <laughs> together at the end.
1: <sighs> we like, I think if we, if we have don't have like reached... if you don't like Kenneth Branagh's, you know, acting in this, if you don't like his his I don't like the way he's written portrayal that's fine. I don't think it's the writing's fault. I think if you have issue with the way he portrayed him, it's him.
0: There I'm 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 sorry, my friend. I have to stop you with that. That is absolute malarkey. There is no way in a Christopher Nolan film that Kenneth Branagh is going to have that much leeway to be that guy without being it
1: written in the script and directed by saying, Nolan. I'm not sitting here saying he it it is I am sitting here saying, I do like the character. I do like the complexity. I got all of that from writing. Where on... All right, all right, we'll let this go out soon. Where?
0: Soon. Give me give me a scene. Give me one scene where this character shows any
1: depth of complexity. The entire and scene he's, where, where he's, he's not just... the The scene where he explains all of this, that final scene, that conversation with the protagonist, where he, where he
0: angrily yells into a walkie-talkie or a microphone or whatever, where he hush yells into into a, a a speaking device, that's complexity. He's angry. He was angry the whole movie.
1: <sighs> that's my point. <laughs> He I'm was the same saying, guy
0: beginning to end.
1: I am not saying this guy is fucking Darth Vader. I'm saying there's levels to his thought process that have brought him to this point. That don't get displayed for the entire film. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Uh,
0: um, This, I think, I I do think the conversation that we're having is... Maybe less so about Kenneth Branagh and more so the first part we had about the time travel mechanics or the bigger conversation of how complicated is too complicated for enjoyment, regardless of understanding. I think that's going to be one of the biggest talked about parts of this aside from the editing, because I think that this film presents that idea in a very digestible way. I think we mutually agreed when we talked about Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, that that was complicated and just no fucking fun. Like, it was a complex movie, and it wasn't a good ride. Um, Whereas this was a complex film uh, in terms of just keeping track of the plot and everything, but it was a really fun ride. No matter what, even if you didn't get it, even if you got none of it, not a single bit of the plot, the action scenes are awesome, uh, the car chases are cool, explosions are great, there is still so much built in here for you that you are going to enjoy this movie no matter what. Um, which is why I think it'll be an interesting conversation to see unfold. Um, especially as we get more into the talks about, um, best picture awards and and all those types of things. Um, I did say at the top of this, that this was our pick, um, for the Oscars as it was likely to be nominated for best film editing. Are there any other Oscars you could see this being nominated for?
1: Uh, best picture. Anything else? <laughs> uh, I really just tried to get a rise out of you there. Uh, it's not getting any of the acting categories. Uh, I could see it getting a nomination for original screenplay, mostly because this seems to be a, a weaker year, and I do think people are going to jerk off the script in the in the academy circles.
0: I I was going to say much the same, but with different rationale, Um, the the best original screenplay thing. I think just, um, because as much as I decry the science scene and the Kenneth Branagh character, I think balancing this much um, like storyline is a feat, Um, not as impressive as the editing, but still very fucking impressive just from a technical writing perspective that I could definitely see it getting some attention um, or recognition on that front. Um, like literally just based on that alone, leaving everything off to the side um, uh, that that is good with this script, just on how much detail went into keeping this story straight and logical from um, a nonlinear time perspective. Um, I could see it getting some recognition for, for that feat as well. But who fucking knows, man? We got a lot more movies to get through, so I guess we'll see. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, all right. Well then this brings us to it. Final rating and review. Corbin, Heller,
1: your movie. You start. Movie good. Movie look good. Movie makes sense. Four and a half. <laughs> all right.
0: Um, I think I've recapped this film like three times now at the beginning, mm-hmm. just before this, and then now. Um This is long. This is very long. Um, It's two and a half hours, which is a Christopher Nolan film. That's for sure. Um, If you are going into the film as a Christopher Nolan fan, you are walking away from the film very happy. If you're not a Christopher Nolan fan, you're still probably walking away from this film feeling like you got a good amount out of it because it is visually so pleasing. Um, and again, I just can't stop talking about how amazing this editing is. I mean, my God. Uh, plus they crash like a 747 in this movie, like a real one, like a real one. Um, it's, it, there's just so, there's just too much good in it. Um, for anyone, I think to walk away from this unhappy, I have complaints. This is probably the first time I'll ever say about a Christopher Nolan movie. I will likely never watch this again. Um, but I still think that so much good got pushed in here that it's just impossible to say that this is anything other than a good movie.
1: Um, I'm probably so, gonna watch this three or four more times.
0: Yeah, well, you know that's that, that that's you doing you, man. Um, you doing me? I'm gonna give this probably th- three and a half. It sounds about right for me. Um, I because I would actively recommend people watch this. I'm just not thrilled about it, so I think that's where I I stand on it. I'm gonna like I'm gonna tell all my friends to watch this. Okay. Um, but yeah, but like I'm not watching it again.
1: I can it's at least get behind position. that. Yeah, yeah. No. Listen, I can't complain about the end result. That's just well, the I mean, way that, you know this movie is definitely gonna. It's gonna be polarizing. Well, and People and are again, see how like I don't want to say convoluted, but how many layers there are to just the narrative itself um and i think there are plenty of people who don't watch movies to dissect every single shot and every line and things like that you know to an extent that we do breaking these down and i don't think you necessarily have to but this is not a film you could scroll through twitter while watching And I think for a lot of people, that's going to be a pretty big barrier.
0: Fully agree. And it happens every time a mildly complicated movie comes out. Um, So it's certainly going to happen with this, too. Um, And again, you heard us, you know, bicker back and forth about this film a lot. But that is also because, as we've said multiple times on this show, We're obviously going to talk about the things we disagree about when it comes to movies Mm -hmm. far more than we're going to talk about the things we agree about when it comes to the movies we talk about, because otherwise it's not an interesting conversation. Um, So even though we had a pretty strong disagreement over two big parts of the film. I think Corin and I can both agree. Rolling, um, as we said it in last week's episode, the way we're going to do this is Corin and I are going to alternate who takes an, a 2021 Oscars potential pick uh, while the other one just issues a standard pick. So it is my turn to go for an Oscars-related pick. Um, and I'm going to pick the 2020... or Actually, it might be 2021. It um, doesn't matter. Uh, Pixar film, Soul.
1: That's the uh, Pixar yes. film, Soul. Uh, yeah, I've since now getting Disney plus, um, I keep seeing it on the homepage and I keep wanting to watch it and be hip and with it with all these other kids, uh, that have seen it already because it's still new and is being discussed. And it's been killing me that I can't just watch it because I knew we were going to watch it for the pod. So I'm excited to watch it this week.
0: I know. I had time before this and I almost almost watched it before this (laughs) recording session because I knew I was going to pick it. But I was like, I should wait to see if Corwin has any objections. So I'm very excited. Nice. All right.
1: What is your pick, my friend? Um, One that a friend has been pushing me to watch for a little while now. uh, And now as... I really don't have an excuse not to watch it. I'm gonna go with Black Swan.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Yeah, Natalie Portman, I know they make out. That's the only only reasoning I need to watch this. So, yeah.
0: I mean, there's there's lots of good reasons to watch, to watch Black Swan, but uh, yeah. All right, I'll 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 take that one if it, if it I, gets more people watching. Uh, what like Darren Aronofsky, I think.
1: I guess we could try to find some other stuff to talk about, but you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah. All right. So that's that's uh, the uh, 2011 film. Hold on. Where are you? I don't know. Black Swan. Uh, 2010. 2010 film. Black Swan. Wow. Aronofsky hasn't come out with a film in three years. That's crazy. Um. Weird. All right. Anyway. Uh, so those are the picks. 2020s, Soul. 2010s, Black Swan. Check them out uh, before next week's recording sesh to get our um, our review and discussion about it. Have it all make sense with no spoilers. Um, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Big Screen Juice. And if you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at Juicing The Big Screen at gmail.com throw in you what you think might get nominated for Oscars, categories, predictions, what have you. Let us hear your voice. Um, and uh, that's it. So until uh, next week, y'all have a good one. Bye. Yeah.